Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today. We're in Livingston, Montana, and our guest today is a band called The Band of Drifters. Ian Thomas will be with us to talk about The Band of Drifters after we talk about Jingle Lingo, the jingle that hits like a single. That's the slogan for Jingle Lingo, an advertising vehicle that's designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of like all the musical jingles you may have heard through the years. You know, who came up with that song? Who wrote that jingle? Well, Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo. Custom-made, custom-designed with you and for you through the talents of accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis-Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your personalized music jingle from Jingle Lingo. www.jinglelingo.com The jingle that hits like a single. And sometimes I just want to hit my computer because it does these weird, goofy sounds to me sometimes. <laughs> Our guest is Ian Thomas, who's out camping out in uh, Montana, looks like, huh? <laughs> well, it's not quite a, it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's a functional camp at the moment. I intend on it to be a house one of these days. Yeah. Is it, a, is it serving as a hunting camp right now or just just place to crash when you're out in the woods? No, it's <laughs> my it's my home. Oh, okay. And just, uh, you can kind of see it maybe in this Zoom deal. It's not, you know. I see a guitar hanging up. That's all I know. That makes it home. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So you're the acoustic guitar player in the band. Why don't we uh, give a shout to the band and see who is in the band of Drifters first? Who's that? Excellent question. So uh, the band got its name from uh, kind of the style of when I was coming off of playing solo, which I did for the bulk of my early you know, 10, 12 years or so and uh, started putting a band together and I would pick up different players from different cities and um, and just kind of work the band that way for a while. And so people would come in and out of the band on a regular or semi-regular basis. Mm -hmm. and that's how it got the name Band of Drifters. That's cool. Um, but it was your band though, right? So you might have this bass player come sit in for a while and then, you know, then the drummer leaves, so you bring in another drummer and then you lose your bass player. Is that what you mean like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically something like that. And we still do it to this day, but with a lot more intention. So I work with several drummers, several ba bass players, several lead players. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. So there's a whole um, Montana contingent. There's about a dozen of them that are in regular rotation out here in Montana. And then there's still um, the Knoxville connection and, and those players, which really helped me form the band um, okay. back in the beginning. So, Kansas, yeah, depending uh on what part of the country I'm in um, and uh, and who can make the gig and what kind of sound we're after. That the, is what determines the band members. The, the, the gentleman that's on tomorrow, he and I had the same conversation about Kansas. The state of Kansas is like, that's so sparsely populated. It was either he or the woman that's on on Friday, but it's the similar situation in Montana. You've got a great big state, but it's sparsely populated. It's population sex here and there. And, you know, uh, so you might have a drummer that lives in Billings, right? And a bass player from Grand Falls or Great Falls or whatever, Grand, yeah, you know, 
and and come into town just to sit in and do a show or two with you because you know they need the gig and you needed the players right it's true and sometimes when we work in the western part of the state um you know we'll work with players out of helena for example and Uh and and so they have less of a commute and and then when we're closer to home in this part of the state we'll work with people down here so logistics definitely plays a role but also a lot of it just has to do with um personality and sound everyone plays different and so when the band keeps changing i mean it could be gig to gig like within the same week we could have several different band configurations and it kind of keeps the sound fresh you know different instrumentation different personalities but you're the constant right ian you're the constant you're the one that's always there so that would be yeah so far that would be kind of (laughs) challenging i would imagine like one group of players might play a little heavier for example or the other group might be more blues oriented. Another band might be just a little more pop or country or something like that. And you have to kind of set your set list with the players that you've got for that gig. Is that right? Like this That's guy might right. know these songs and this guy might know those songs. So you got to taper your show to who the artists are that are playing with you that week, right? A little bit, but most everyone at this point is familiar with the bulk of our repertoire. And, and so we play the same songs. Um, with different members, they just take on a different flavor. Okay. Now, when you're out, because you wrote most of your own music, do you do covers as well as your own music? Like if you're doing a three-hour show, you'll do a lot of covers, right? Yeah, we do a lot of um, classic honky-tonk covers because a lot of the shows we do are dance shows. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll play a lot of Ray Price and Merle Haggard and George Jones. Yeah. Classic okay. stuff to keep people dancing. Well, that's fun. And country's big out there. Uh, one of the guests I talked to earlier said that country's a big uh, influence in the music out there. In fact, that it she, really she, is. She coined that that you know that phrase from uh, from Blues Brothers because they play both kinds of music out here, country and western. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've had some stints. You were telling me you've had a stint out east. You were in Burlington and played at a place I've played before. We both know the same guy out there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Lee Anderson over at the Radio Bean. The Radio Bean, yeah. That's Your old people, friend of mine. I tell people all the time, man, when, if we're in town and you roll up in there, you got a place to stay and I'll get you a gig with Lee because uh, it's just one of the best kept music secrets in the country, I think, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. That was yeah. where, in a lot of ways, that was where I sort of began my musical endeavor. What were you doing in Vermont? Started. What were you doing there? Um, it's a really good question. My brother lived up there. And, uh, so I was visiting him and spending time with him and also just lived there, um, for a number of years on my own. And just, I was traveling a lot in those days. I was young. So I was going all up and down the East coast, um, New York city, New Orleans, um, and just spending a lot of time moving around and playing small shows. But, um, if I remember this correctly, I think this is actually true. I think my very first like scheduled booked show indoors and not on the street was at the radio Bean. That's cool. Back then you could be a street performer too. You could play on church street and uh, yep. not have to get sure licensed, did. not have to get certified. You could just set up your guitar, open up your case and just start playing music and people would walk up and up and down. Now it's regulated, you know, post COVID and po- whoever the new admin people are at the city hall. Now you've got to get, it's funny because, uh, the jazz fest is a big thing in Vermont, right? And right. Uh, discover jazz and used to have the street lined with musicians. Uh, people just trying to get people to come see their show at, at sidebar or at radio bean. 
and yeah. now it's all regulated. So when we were there this year, there were bands on the side streets of Church Street, like where the caveat over here where there's a parking garage or something, and they were playing over there. That way they weren't playing on Church Street. They didn't have to have the permits. It was so funny. Yeah. yeah well, at least there's still a workaround. Yeah. I, that's how I started playing, was playing on the streets all over the place um, yeah. before I ever got gigs. And long time after I was getting gigs, I would still play on the streets. And it was a lot easier in those days. I haven't really tried doing that in a number of years, but for a while, that was really how I made my living. So I may have put money in your guitar case, depending on when you were there. How long ago were you in Burlington? Possible. That would have been 02, 01, 02. No, no, that, no I've through. only been there. I've only been there since 16. So, Oh yeah. I was long gone by 16. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you you write most of your own music when you're not doing covers, right? But mm-hmm. the first song we're going to play is a cover, and it, it, you said it's a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot, right? That's right. We did a um, uh, we did a Lightfoot cover record during the COVID time, um, just kind of a home studio project. And uh, I grew up listening to Gordo, love him, yeah, always have, but never really played any of his music. And then people started asking me at live shows if we did any of his songs and we didn't which i thought was a massive oversight um so i went back and started listening to him again and going over his songs and trying to pick a few to play during the live show and uh ended up doing a whole record yeah his song beautiful taught me how to play an a major seventh (laughs) (laughs) i really love that song that chord is just so gorgeous and buddy mine just says it's just an a major seventh i was like what is it i love it he showed me the positions. I'm like, oh wow! Now, it, you know, obviously, it was years and years ago, but that was it. That was my first A, a major seventh. Was through Gordon Lightfoot song, beautiful. There you go. There so you go. why why the Watchman's gone out of you know the catalog of uh, that library that he has to pull from? Well, interesting story on that. Um, I remember I was in high school, and I didn't really play much music in high school. I was kind of a late bloomer to the music scene. Uh, uh, but I but I did. I had aspired to play music. Um, and I was driving to high school one day and it was just like a real foggy day, probably about this time of year, going past the lake in this thick bank of fog. And I had the light foot tape in the radio and um, that song came on. And I just like kind of even probably out loud said to myself that someday I was going to be in a band and we'd play that song. And of course, I forgot about that for a long time, about, probably about 20 years until someone came up to me at a show and asked us if we did any Lightfoot. And I was like, wow. And I kind of remembered that moment later. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, we want to hear your version of it. So we're going to do that now. The Band of Drifters, our guest, Ian Thomas, the front man from Band of Drifters, and their version of The Watchman's Gone here on the Music of America podcast. So good knowing the watchman's gone. If I give you a rose, buddy, would you 
please bury it in the field I seen a rose watching it all fold out there's a train down at the station it's come to carry my bones away two engines on Kicking the bombs about If I wait for the right moment You can bet I'll climb aboard on the sea I've done it before I know I can do it in my sleep A watchman's out Kicking the bombs song the watchman's gone with the band of drifters here our guest on the music of america podcast we'll get back to talking with ian thomas and the band of drifters 
after I talk about laser therapy south. See, a few years ago, I got into this accident at work where I ended up spending the entire month on my stomach while my back wounds were healing. I had scalded and severely burned my lower back. Well, about two weeks into my healing, I realized I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks, so I quit smoking. Right? Now, that worked for me. But I don't suggest scalding your back as a method for anybody else. Thank goodness, though. There's a company called Laser Therapy South located just outside of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people all over the country, all over the world, quit smoking, reduce stress, and alleviate chronic and acute pain. Laser Therapy South has developed its own unique approach to tackle both the physiological and the habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. Laser therapy. It's an acupuncture-based treatment that originated in Europe and Canada about 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is your quit date. The laser is a cold or therapeutic type of laser. It doesn't produce heat. It doesn't cut tissue. Most clients more report feeling like having had a massage after treatment. Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth.com, where all your questions can be answered. Check them out if you want more information on how to use laser therapy to quit smoking. Laser Therapy South, where being a quitter is a good thing. So, Ian, you traveled around the country, obviously not a quitter when it comes to the music thing, huh? Right? No, can't do it. Kind of a lifer. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And are you able to make a living at it in Livingston, Montana? Well, I'm still here <laughs> so so far. And you're building a house, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Do you have a, a job outside of music, or are you, are you solely in the music thing? Solely in the music thing. I'll pick up some odd jobs whenever I can, always have throughout my life. Um, kind of always on the hustle uh, in that sense. And these days I've been doing some venue booking for a couple of venues in the area around here. Um, so yeah, kind of no, explain what is, things. what is that? Explore what is venue booking? What does that mean? It means I book bands into a couple of live music venues out here. Okay. So I work so, for the venue and, and fill their schedule. Kind of like a promoter, but for the venue. Yeah. Talent okay. buyer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's fun. Yeah. Do you get to, do you get to decide who gets to play or do you just say, Hey, do you want to do a gig? And if you have a pulse and a heartbeat, please show up. <laughs> no, the venues um, have styles and, you know, there's a bunch of quality control that comes from the management of the venues, uh -huh. um, particular styles that they like. And and so within those constraints, I find the bands that uh, that I think will work the best. And then you, you, we go from there. You said you were a, a late bloomer coming into music. Did you start on guitar? No, I started on drums. I was a drummer. Oh, no originally. kidding. Yeah. And then um, started playing guitar, uh, well, started in high school, kind of 13, 14, about that age. And, uh, uh, but really didn't start playing guitar until I was in my early 20s when I was traveling and wow. started playing on the streets. Where did the so songwriting, where'd the songwriting come from then? About the same time. You sure. know, I was doing a lot of, um, a lot of covers, of course, because that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing songs by, well, essentially rewriting um, and haphazardly changing um, chord progressions from songs that I was learning. And that was oh, okay. kind of the, the crutch that got me started on songwriting. I've really been 
bitten by the songwriting bug from two things. This podcast, because I get to meet a whole lot of songwriters that have so many different approaches to how they write music, and I'm fascinated by it. But also yeah. that uh, that Disney show about the Beatles, I think, was it Get Back or Let It Be or whatever it was? I still have been and meaning to watch that. It is so cool, dude. You will love the show because it's got them showing. It shows them how they're writing a song like yesterday. Uh, I don't know if that's in this show, but the, the the legend is that the original name of the song yesterday was actually Scrambled Eggs because Paul couldn't think of the lyrics. So John says, well, just call it what you want, you know, just sing something that fits like Scrambled Eggs. Oh, my gosh, you've got such sexy legs. And from there, he developed wow. yesterday. And uh, they Get Back was supposed to be about, I think it was supposed to be a protest song about illegal immigration or something like that. It turned into, Yeah. It was huh. quite the protest song, I think, as I recall, and then just turned into a pop hit. It's amazing. So, and so the, 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 just the whole process, the whole, what is, do you have a process of songwriting? Do you get, do you noodle around on the guitar and hear a, a riff? Or do you say, I want to write some songs. I want to write a song about the sunset or about, about this pretty girl I saw last week or what, what strikes you to start writing? You know, I'm guilty of the most amateur method of songwriting which is really just um words and melody at the same time uh without any specific in intention no. and then and then i apply some craftsmanship after that but most of it is really just kind of an unconscious expression of whatever's in there yeah um you know i would love to be the kind of writer that you know wakes up at six in the morning, goes to the typewriter with a hard boiled egg and really gets after it. But that's just never been my style. <laughs> it's not been a lot of people's style, man. I get a lot of people that get their, their uh, inspiration in the middle of the night and they'll write something down on a, a notepad by their bedside or they'll pick up their phone and they'll go mm-hmm, and hum a melody or whatever. And they go right back to sleep. I've had half a dozen or more people that do it that way. I'm like, that is just so cool. I just don't have that gift, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's great. But if you wait for that and rely on that, you're not going to write very many songs. Right. I, uh, and the more I learned, like that Lightfoot project was really illuminating because I kind of learned a lot more about him than I ever knew about him as a kid when I was just listening to him. Yeah. And he was a craftsman, man. He was he was like that. He would wake up. He would show up to work. He probably I just assume he wore a tie in the 60s, even <laughs> in his home. Just even to show up and write song. <laughs> you know, but he put in the time he put in the work. I think he he was at that. And I had no idea either how much of a, just a musical craftsman he was, too. I guess he had a whole job and education in music writing. He would write his own lead sheets and um, was just really deliberate and yeah. fastidious about his craft. Ironically, the uh, you know he his heyday was my music heyday in the 70s, right? And that's when yeah. he, I didn't see him until I moved to Vermont. <laughs> I saw him at the Flynn. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. I only saw him once. I only ever saw him once down in uh, New Mexico. Oh, yeah? Where about? At, at a casino. At some casino north of Albuquerque. Okay. My my daughter and son-in-law had about 40 acres down in Carson, just outside of what's the ski resort town or whatever. Um, I'm not really sure. Santa yeah. Fe, Taos? One Taos, of those? Taos, 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 I think. Yeah. I don't know where they be down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was a fish out of water down there but the land was beautiful you know it's beautiful 
But yeah, it's like it was Taos because Taos is like forty five minutes away from them, and and forty five minutes away from Albuquerque or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I was I was stuck there with a bad alternator. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, and I just was looking for something to do, and happened to notice that there was a Lightfoot concert. Well, I'll be darned! How funny! Yeah, is that? and the only time I ever got to see him. That's hilarious. Uh, who else influences you or influenced you? And you're like singing, so you do a lot of honky tonk stuff, right? do a lot of honky tonk stuff. So I um, delve pretty deep into the honky tonk tradition and all those classic country singers for a long time and love them. I mean, Merle Haggard is one of my favorite singers of all time and Mm -hmm. definitely one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Um, But he's inimitable. You know, he, he can do that and write those songs and did that, wrote those songs and in a way that kind of no one else can do. Um, and uh, so he's my favorite songwriter of that crop of people. Um, but just that style of music has been really influential in my life and my work. Um, and before that, you know, I've gone through phases with lots of different styles of music. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of um, like the folk singers and the American folk music and the early blues. When I was a kid, I really loved like the Willie Dixon catalog of oh the old stuff yeah. yeah um yeah so through the years i've listened to everything i like rock and roll of course yeah. you can't grow up can't grow up in the 80s and 90s without getting a healthy dose of rock and roll in you so was your who are your who are your rock and roll bands that you would listen to because there were different degrees the 80s and 90s were different styles were different styles out there so curious were you a allison chains kind of guy or were you more of a uh nirvana kind of guy were you more of a iron maiden kind of guy (laughs) no funny thing is my whole life i've never really listened very much to modern music at the time okay yeah so growing up as a kid i hated all the music that was modern (laughs) so i was listening to classic i was listening to the stones and the beatles and zeppelin and a lot of jethro tull things like that like i was really my younger life was really influenced by a lot of like 60s and 70s music um and then you know the older recordings as well um but i wouldn't really say modern music has been much of an influence on me at all in my life really okay so let's talk about nickel and dimes then what influenced that and what is that about or who influenced (laughs) that maybe not sure that was um i write a lot when i'm driving uh I drive alone a lot. I used to cross the country multiple times a year. Um, and even if I had a radio that worked, I would usually just leave it off. So I've driven across the country in absolute silence dozens of times. Wow. And I do a lot of writing when I do that. And so Nickels and Dimes was written on a cross-country drive. And uh, I can't exactly remember what inspired it um, other than, I mean, it's it- pretty... It might have been topic. the fact that you did that you were driving across the country and <laughs> only had nickels and dimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that song just comes from that feeling that I think a lot of us have. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard out here. It's a hard economy to live in. Uh, it's it's pretty cutthroat, always has been. And if you're trying to make a living playing music, it's as hard as, you know, any other gig. And you know, this whole system's kind of set up where you get nickel and dime. Like everyone's kind of taking a piece of you here, a piece of you there. There's fees on this and fees on that. And like, you're just struggling to get by and having a hard time. And it's frustrating. And, uh, 
I just felt like I was getting nickel and dimed at that moment in my life. And so I started thinking about it and writing about it. And that's what came out. I, I hear a lot uh, of artists that will talk about, I, I won't say them by name, but certain recording services or places, platforms where music is played and they'll get their check for two cents or five cents. <laughs> yeah. They get those checks. They get those checks. <laughs> in fact, one guy told me he got a two cent, uh, two cent check from a streaming service and he never cashed it. Oh, they, I'd rather have the stamp. They, they sent the sent him a 1099 and all this stuff. He's like, I'm not going to cash it. I'm just going to make them send me, <laughs> make, make their books off by two cents every year. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> but that's nickel and dimes. That's what you're saying. The whole industry is all about nickel and dimes, whether they're getting your nickel or your dime or, or you're fighting for nickels and dimes just to make a living. That's exactly both. And, and your time, you know, yeah. Like a, I remember a good old buddy of mine, he had a, he had a quote um, that even made it into the song. And he used to say, being broke takes all your time. And it's true. Everything's, <laughs> everything's harder when you're broke. Everything takes longer. Yeah. 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 And There's it's just a, a it's an a uphill band, battle. A band I interviewed down in Arkansas has a song, uh, uh, too broke to play the, uh, too broke to have the blues. <laughs> <laughs> Can't that i can't even afford the blues i'm so broke how horrible is that <laughs> well i want to hear this so it's ian thomas uh frontman for the band of drifters out of livingston uh Liv <laughs> livingston sorry that just really threw me off <laughs> ian thomas from the band of drifters out of livingston montana our guest today on the music of america podcast i'm your host tom pollard we're gonna hear the song we we're just talking about called nickel and dimes
that's right on the money in God we trust day to day and dust to dust at the root of all evil got that old eagle grinning she bought the law and the law keeps on winning but at times Dimes with the Band of Drifters. Our guest today, Ian Thomas from the Band of Drifters, here on the Music of America podcast, River Ridge Farm, Vermont's recreation lover's dream, is a gorgeous vacation rental nestled in the Green Mountains of Vermont. River Ridge Farm is an escape to everything wonderful Vermont has to offer. This historic farmhouse is set atop 16 acres of fields with mountain views, a pasture, treeland river frontage. Go enjoy this beautiful spot in the heart of the Green Mountain State along with multiple nearby ski and mountain resorts, breweries, mountain trails, hiking trails, snowshoe trails, and other tourist activities. The uniqueness of this place are the multiple mountain views and the residential farm animals. When you when you set up your appointment, talk to the owner, Diana, and talk about interacting with her, her pet pigs or her cows, or just stay in the farm, this comfortable modern farmhouse, which sleeps 11 guests easily. There's enough space there to throw an event like a wedding, or graduation party, retirement party, or just relax and rejuvenate in the beautiful Vermont landscape. Check out River Ridge Farm. They're on Facebook, but you won't find them by just typing in River Ridge Farms because there's River Ridge Farms all over the country. So you have to say River Ridge Farms Jeffersonville or check them out through Airbnb, River Ridge Farms in Jeffersonville, Vermont's recreation lover's dream. Did you mountain climb, snow ski, snowboard, anything like that, Ian, when you were in Vermont? I did. I did a little bit of skiing. Yeah? Yeah. Where'd you go? Do you and, remember? Uh, um, it's been a long time, but uh, there was, and I can't remember which is in which state, but there was 
Okemo, Magic Mountain, Sugarloaf, Mad River. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Okemo's right. down in Rutland. Yeah. Mad okay. River's like in uh, Waitsville. Yeah. 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 Some of my favorite sites, man. You get up to the top of Okemo and look out on the valley and it's just breathtaking. You know, love that I used place. to love. I used to love all those views and I actually, so I retired from skiing um, and just recently have done it again in the last couple of years. Um, Cause out here I do some <clears throat> ski resort gigs mm-hmm. and uh, every once in a while, the timing is right. And they kind of give you a pass and you can just rent some gear and go back on the mountains. And I had forgotten how much I really, aside from the skiing, just the sights and the sounds of being on yeah. the mountain, like the sound of the cable on the chairlifts, Mm-hmm. You or know, that, and the, or, or it's be- really it's really quiet when you hear that somebody cutting into the ice coming up behind you. You know, and they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> loved it. Oh, I, I don't in, miss the ice though. Oh, not a lot oh, of ice dude. out here. I, I lived in in Vale for about six months and I went night skiing at Keystone, and I caught an edge right after the snow machine had gone through. What they do when the when the snow gets so icy, it they grind it up so you can ski on it the next day. But it's like gravel at first until it gets covered up with snow right i yeah. caught an edge and i slid about 20 yards on my side and I, I ended up going to the going to the john to see how bad my damage was and when i got my my bibs down it looked like hamburger from halfway up my leg all the way to my hip like oh, oh. this is not fun <laughs> oh brutal it was cold so it did, i didn't feel anything but once i i had to velcro it off my body <laughs> yeah <it's> oh. like, <laughs> but it's still fun man still fun yeah it seems like i had the most fun when i got in accidents too (laughs) oh i just like being on the mountain i don't want to get hurt yeah i'm a little scared of that these days at this point in my life yeah at 67 i'll just talk about it now you know (laughs) (laughs) the last song of yours is called halfway gone and what's that about good question um so that's an old song i wrote that years ago probably almost 20 years ago at this point wow Um, and uh i don't remember a whole lot about it other than the general feeling of what that song is about which is um you know kind of a a transition a departure partially from a relationship partially from just your own past um uh but i remember it being written i remember the night i wrote it i was in baltimore with a another friend of mine who was a songwriter at the time and we were staying at someone else's apartment who was traveling for thanksgiving and so it was thanksgiving day and we just went out and we got i think we got a duck and some potatoes and so we just cooked a duck and some potatoes and we just kind of sat around writing songs and that was what i that was what i got out of that that night was but i love that song what was the meal halfway gone was the duck halfway gone was your beer halfway gone (laughs) <laughs> you know i can't remember the portions at this point <laughs> we'll give it a listen the band of drifters but it's really ian thomas and his band of drifters did we plug we didn't talk about your band members did we did we mention everybody i know we, we talked we about because it at the beginning because they transition in and out right there's too many to name there really are in the core group of this band there's probably about 15 people we'd have to name which we uh, could do. That's fine. But uh, I also want to talk to you about recording before we get to this. You record okay. in Billings or have you, well, it's, you've traveled all over the country. So have you recorded all over the country, I guess, right? It's, I'm terrible at it. 
Yes, I've recorded all over the country. Most of the recordings for this band have never been finished. So there's a lot of studio sessions for the band of drifters that have uh, never actually seen the light of day. Really? Um, so I am. Yeah. So I've ended up doing mostly live recordings because it's something I can do myself. Um, and, and then I end up periodically putting out, you know, either live shows or, or collections of live recordings. And that's uh -huh. mostly what I've released at this point in my career. And mm -hmm. it's only been recently that I've, um, started doing more studio recording on my own and kind of learning that process. That Lightfoot record was really my first main home recording project. And, uh, and now these days I work at a studio here in Livingston. And so I've been recording other people, which has been a ton of fun. I really yeah. enjoy that process. Um, and so hoping to actually do a studio recording of my own band. One of these days figure after 20 years, I'm due. Well, that's what I was wondering if you've done just live recordings, you've done uh, like a lot of guys use like garage band or, you know, some of the, the freeware that's out there because everybody's got a computer now, everybody's got access to mixing devices and good, good equipment that used to cost thousands of dollars now cost a few hundred, you know? So yeah. it's not unusual for people. To, I mean, I'm building a studio in Missouri, in Missouri, you know, it's where one of the reasons why we moved here, I've got a house in Missouri and I'm building a studio down there. And not to bring people in and record them for a living, but when my buddies come over and we play music, I want to have a, I want to go in, I tell people this, I want to go and hit the power on, you know, and, yeah. uh, and record and then walk out. <laughs> yeah. And then if only let, be that simple. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it will be because I'm not doing it for, for consumers. I'm doing it just for my own benefit, but you know, you've done this before Ian, right? You sit around with your buddies and you're jamming, you're just going on a, on a, on a, on a piece or something and, and magic happens. And then two weeks later, try and replicate that. You can't, you know, but if right. you have it set up like this, like I'm talking about, you just walk in, you record, then I've got that forever. I can always say, remember when we did this guys, you know, and, uh, but that's, that's what I want to do. But you, you're a professional musician. You do the recording and you aspire then to do live or to do recording in a studio with this recent configuration of band of drifters. I do. I love working in a studio. There's it's most of what I do for a living is perform live, uh -huh. which I also really love, but there's really something special about the studio style of working that is completely different than a live performance. Um, it's just a different sort of attention, different process. And I, I love it. And I would really like to do more of it. It's a bummer that we live in this era where studio recordings are basically like, business cards at this point it's really hard to make any money off the of studio yeah. recordings and uh and they're expensive it eats up a lot of time even if you're doing it yourself you still have to you know studio time or musicians time there's no way to make a record um for very cheap anymore if you want to do it of a certain quality um and so it's really hard to even recoup your investment into a studio project and that's kind of a bummer about the industry how it lives these days yeah. Uh, but still don't care. I love working in the studio and I'd love to work in the studio with my own band again. There's a band in Minnesota that I interviewed recently called indecent proposal and they take their money and put it right back into the band and they've got grade a quality videos. They got grade a quality recording and they, they, they get good money for their shows. You know, they, they do an hour, hour and a half. If they do a three hour show, they get 
you know, to do some covers, they get it paid accordingly, but they're a really tight, good group of musicians. But what's cool about their business plan is they take their money and instead of taking it to go out and spend or whatever, they're putting it right back into the business, you know? Yeah. And so that they can afford to go into a studio. And then uh, the people I've not done studio work ever, you know, I've done home studio and stuff like that. I've never, but the people I've talked to say it's like a night and day difference and having a good producer is like having another band member, you know? Yeah, I believe it. And having a bad producer is probably pretty miserable too. It's like having a band member. You want to get out the door. (laughs) (laughs) The band. I hope I haven't been that person. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope, and I hope you don't run into him. Ian Thomas, our guest today with the band of drifters and his last song is called halfway gone. Halfway gone, halfway in a memory, silk streaks like ribbons in the wind. Let loose beneath my heels, disappear in the distance, hear the soft fade of a dissipating day. Never to return to me again. I left my love waiting in the village green while I took the only train to see. I know that wasn't very dependable to me But I don't miss the rituals The back and forth of the difficulties We held like rope as we might I'm not ashamed to tell you I'm tired Is it even worth our time to try? 
There's no pound beyond the ground, no roots to be unwound out amid the foaming sky and sea. What did you expect for there to be? Halfway Gone with the Band of Drifters and frontman Ian Thomas, our guest today from Livingston, Montana, on the Music of America podcast. Ian, this has been just so much fun. It's been a pleasure. I, I dig these interviews so much when it's just so natural and conversational. And, you know, now in 1975, when you first picked up a guitar, you know, it just the hell out of me. This is the segment of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. Tell us how we can help support you. Websites. Shows that are coming up in 2024, new CDs, anything like that. Tell us. Okay. Well, um, if you're not in Montana this winter, then it's going to be hard to see us. We're pretty much staying put in Montana for the foreseeable future here. Um, but we are playing a bunch of shows in Southwest Montana. So if you are in Southwest Montana, come see us. We'll be uh, all over the region and easy to find. Um, otherwise, uh, our website is bandofdrifters.com. And we try to keep that current. It's under construction right now, but by the time this airs, hopefully it's done. Um, and that's where all of our albums are and uh, information about what we're currently doing. Uh, and, you know, you can always support us that way by just purchasing our music. You have merch, shirts, buttons, anything like that? Stickers. We do. We have some merch. And uh, I may actually even put that merch on my website one of these days. Um, uh, but. <laughs> Usually we just keep it stocked at shows. Yeah. Uh, but we have, yeah, hats, shirts, coasters, koozies, the usual yeah. kind of business. We, we actually have a um, great guy here in town who makes, uh, he's got a leather shop and he does a lot of our uh, leather wares for us. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And probably by the time this airs, those will be uh, online. That's awesome. Well, Ian, good luck to you. If I get out to Montana, you're the, 
second of three people so far that I ha- I've made a commitment that I will come find. You know, please do. That'd be well, a blast. I'm, I'm old and retired, so I get a chance to do stuff like travel. You know, at, at least that's Brother. what I keep telling myself. Our our dream, our dream is by year five, uh, if this continues and continues to grow at the pace it's growing, by year five, the Music of America podcast will be live every state. So we'll be in Billings, we'll be in Montana on this week for a whole week, you know, and then go on to Nebraska from here, you know, and so on and so forth. Wouldn't that oh, be, that'd cool? be cool? That'd be the, cool. The, the problem is the first two weeks of the season, we start in Alabama. The next show is all the way up in Alaska. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to do it alphabetically. Well, yeah, if I want to stick with the format. And yeah, geographically <laughs> makes more sense. But, you know, yeah, when nobody, anybody that knows me knows, knows that making more sense is not my forte. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ian, a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And thanks for, uh, you know, getting me on this because we, what people don't know is that we had a tentative appointment because I was maybe going to be watching my grandson, you know, and I put it on my schedule as tentative and I never confirmed it. So I get a text from me and like, where are you? I'm like, oh, just <laughs> frantically putting it together. But uh, we pulled it off and thank you, sir. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It is the night before Thanksgiving. So I'm sure you probably got a lot going on over there. So thanks for taking the time. No problem, man. Thank you very much. And up next, that first, that was the band of drifters, Ian Thomas. And up next from Billings, we'll be listening to The Counting Coup. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows. And the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.